and welcome to Charm City Checkup, a podcast about social justice issues in the city of Baltimore for pediatric residents, made by a pediatric resident. My name is Caroline Knoop, and I'm your host. Currently, I am a pediatric resident in the city of Baltimore. I'm learning about community resources, social justice issues, and social determinants of health that face our patients and their families. Join me as I learn about all things social justice in the city of Baltimore. On this week's episode of Charm City Checkup, we'll be talking about how social determinants of health impact asthma patients and their care. I got to talk with Dr. Lasso, a pediatric pulmonologist at the University of Maryland, about her experience treating asthma in the city of Baltimore and how she talks with patients about barriers to their care. We know that there are a multitude of factors that impact a patient's life and health, and asthma in particular can be affected by many social determinants of health. A 2016 CDC report states that Black and Hispanic children are hospitalized with asthma complications at higher rates than white children, largely due to social determinants of health and barriers to care. Compared to white children, Black children have a three- to five-fold higher risk of asthma-related emergency department visits and hospitalizations, as well as a seven-fold higher increase of asthma mortality. These disparities in asthma complications exist as a result of social factors, including low household income, environmental injustice, exposure to toxic compounds, and a high stress levels. On top of this, individuals from these groups may experience significant barriers to healthcare access, such as lack of adequate health insurance and low health literacy, as well as a shortage of culturally and linguistically competent providers and overwhelmed clinics. A 2020 report by the ABLE Foundation reported that 20% of children in Baltimore City have asthma, with PEDS emergency department rates for asthma more than double the statewide rate. The average cost of an asthma-related emergency department visit is greater than $1,000, and hospitalization greater than $9,000. In 2019, childhood asthma was the primary reason for admission in the city of Baltimore 389 times. Now that's a lot of money for our healthcare system. With 33.3% of Baltimore City high school students and 13.7% of Baltimore City adults experiencing asthma, in comparison to 25 and 9% respectively statewide, it is imperative that we form solutions and decrease asthma disparities, especially in the city of Baltimore. The Baltimore City Health Department attempts to do just this with its Community Asthma Program, also called CAP. CAP helps children aged 1 to 18 who have trouble managing their asthma. Trained community health workers perform home visits for patients where they go over medications, show proper inhaler technique, obtain asthma action plans, and as well as locate home triggers and give supplies to reduce them. And they also help connect patients to other services that can help them with their asthma care. Overall, I think we're doing a great job in the city of Baltimore to address these disparities, but clearly there's plenty of room to grow. I really enjoyed my conversation with Dr. Lasso about treating asthma and how to approach patients and talk about these sensitive issues. So join me as I talk with Dr. Lasso about pediatric asthma, specifically in the city of Baltimore. Thank you so much for joining me on this episode, Dr. Lasso. I'm so happy to talk to you about social determinants of health and in particular how they, um, you know, 
impact pediatric pulmonology, in particular asthma care. Um, so if you could just start off and tell us a little bit about yourself and your path to pediatric pulmonology. Hi. So very, very happy to be here um, joining you on the podcast. Basically, I well, I guess I'll go back a little bit in the um, where I'm from. So I'm from Panama in Central America, and um, I went to medical school there. And then came to the U.S. for my uh, pediatric training, did my training at Monmouth Medical Center in New Jersey, and my um, specialty training in pulmonary at St. Chris in Philadelphia. Um, Initially, I was thinking of working in general pediatrics, perhaps in um, health policy for children, so thinking a little bit more broad, thinking a little bit more of... um, global health issues that relate to children. Uh, But due to family um, affairs, if you will, um, you know, my husband is a physician, I'm a physician, and, you know, we tried to stay within an area where we both could work. Um, It became better for me to take a fellowship, and I was offered the position um, of fellow in pulmonary at St. Chris, which I took. And then, so that's how I started to get more involved in respiratory care. And I really love it. Initially, my training was um, more directed towards cystic fibrosis. Um, But after having gone back to Panama for a couple of years and dealing with all aspects of pediatric respiratory care, um, I became passionate about it. And I think that I can have a huge impact that way and um, help kids breathe better. Definitely, which is super important. And we're happy to have you at the University of Maryland, that's for sure. Um, We know that there are multiple social determinants of health that contribute to disparities in outcomes, especially amongst patients with asthma. Have you noticed any of these differences in your own practice, particularly when you've been practicing in Baltimore? Yes, we um, deal with this really every day. And a lot of what we see, you know, it's anecdotal in the sense that we haven't um, in our practice studied all the determinants of health, but on the day-to-day of what we do between um, us providers and the nurses, we know that where patients live, um, the conditions in which they live, impact their um, outcomes in general, but definitely in asthma. So things like housing, you know, is there crowding and are they exposed to a lot of environmental triggers? Um, Are they in conditions where perhaps there is multiple kids in one room? Um, You know, all of that can uh, exacerbate asthma and create conditions where they're more difficult to treat. Definitely. And I know that, you know, we have a big arsenal of like medications that we can use to treat asthma, but have you seen different things that we can do in the city of Baltimore to kind of help patients kind of get over some of those environmental factors? So I think the main thing, you know, we know that the environmental exposures um, that kids live in, you know, can can make a difference in their asthma control. I think that as physicians and providers in general, we need to be very um, 
thoughtful of the conditions where um, where families live and and ask those questions that we might sometimes not think about in clinic. Um, so yes, there's multiple medications, but can the family get the medication? Is there an issue with the parents working and having a hard time accessing the pharmacy? Um, and, and these are things that can impact the acute care of asthma, but also the long-term um, care of this um, patients. Because if, for example, I don't know, a kid lives with their grandmother or their grandfather and they have difficulty with mobility, it's going to be harder for that family to get to the pharmacy, get to the clinic. And so there is definitely a lot of issues that impact how patients do. Um, and, and we need to be cognizant of those situations so that we can ask the questions and have people be truthful with us in what impacts their adherence with medications or what impacts their asthma control so that we can help with those issues. Definitely. I feel like sometimes there is like this barrier when we're talking to patients and we might label them quote non-adherent yes. and that has a negative connotation to it. Right. Absolutely. And you have to think about kind of the broader reasons why right. somebody might not know how to use their inhaler or might not be able to get the medications that you've prescribed. And, you know, I agree. And I think that, you know, sometimes we are not open in the way we ask questions or we don't make families feel comfortable telling us what the reality of their lives is like. And, it, you know, we don't want to do it, but we judge frequently mm -hmm. how people um, do or not do. And so a family with one child and both parents with good work um, who have a good support system, it's much more likely to be quote-unquote compliant, right, um, than a family where it's a single parent, usually a mom who might be very young, who doesn't have a support system, has multiple kids, and perhaps has other kids that are also sick. So as providers, we need to think, you know, it's not just the patient that we have in front of us, but what is that home like? What is that parent like? Does a parent have a health condition themselves? You know, these are things, and, and it's frequently set up by the fact that our clinic visits are very short. And that's not because we want them to be that way, but because time of time constraints. But we really need to try to give that um, kind of confidence to the family to tell us, you know, truly. I haven't actually been giving the medication for the last week because I ran out and I haven't actually gone to the pharmacy to get it. So it's not so much about the medication being good or bad, but are we given the medication to start or are we giving it properly? Like you said, you know, are they giving it, but they don't have a spacer, for example. Mm -hmm. And I can't tell you how often I think that this is the issue that when we're trying to figure out why is this not working, it's not so much that the medicine isn't working, but how the medicine is given or is it given, you know? Um, Definitely. So um, very, very important in any chronic condition. Um, in asthma, 
more so, if you will, because asthmatics are common and we have so many triggers in the typical environment of a kid that lives in, in, in an inner city environment, you know? Yeah, definitely. And all of those things are things that we should always be thinking about. And, you know, it just comes to mind, like with all of your experience and, you know, the continuity that you get with your patients, what has been, um, you know, something that helps you kind of create that open environment for people to tell you what's actually going on? So, you know, very early on, and I would say that some of this doesn't come from a particular class or you know, reading that I did, but perhaps just kind of thinking through that common thought of, you know, put yourself in the shoes of the other person, you know, and I tried to do that. I tried to tell parents, you know, I have kids too. And I will start with conversations like that with the parents to say, listen, I, you know, have kids. My kids are older now, but when I was Uh, My kids were young. I was a resident. And, you know, I know how hard it is to do all of it. So I tried to start with a little bit of the, I'm not perfect, you know, so that the parents feel like it's okay to say that they're not perfect either. And I do that in different forms, depending on the situation that I'm dealing with. But I truly, truly try to give that feeling to the parents that you can tell me whatever it is that you're actually doing Mm -hmm. and so that we can deal with it and think of a plan that will work for you and usually I try to also thank them when they say the truth you know when they tell me you know truly because sometimes they'll start with one version and then they kind of say change it (laughs) as they go so I like to say to the parents like you can tell me whatever you're doing we really need to know what you're actually doing so we can develop a plan so I don't know I mean I don't have a very good um I can't pretend to know how to do it I just know what works for me and what works for me basically is to say I know it's not Mm -hmm. easy I've lived through that or, or, you know, and if you don't have kids, maybe just, just put yourself in the shoes of somebody who is to take a medication twice a day, every single day, like, would you be good at that? You know? Mm -hmm. So if the answer is that you might not be that good at it, so how do you pretend your kids, your patients to be good at it? Right. So I think that's really important. And that opens the door for families to tell you things that, over time, sometimes they come with really concerning things, you know, because, for example, um, just access to medications with insurance, uh, preauthorizations and things, people mm-hmm. sometimes will come and show me like three inhalers. And when I look at them, they're all the same inha- same medicine in three different colors, you know, just because they got different things from different pharmacies at different times. And so there is a lot that when people feel comfortable telling you, they'll actually tell you Mm -hmm. that can be um, helpful for you to treat properly. Definitely. It's almost like you're being very cognizant about creating a non-judgmental space. And I think that's just something that we need to be reminded of now and again. Right. Um, I know we talked a a little bit about, you know, issues with, you know, taking the medication properly or gaining the medication but have you noticed any connection with like maybe poor health literacy and issues using the inhalers correctly? And how do you address that? Um, 
I think that in general, families that are um, less educated have a, have a harder time following instructions. And so um, in asthma care, a lot of the instructions have to do with the use of the devices. And unfortunately, um, there's different devices and there's some need spacers, some don't need spacer. So I think in general, anybody who's um, less educated is going to have a hard time following instructions or written. So what we try to do, and I say we because this is me and the nurses and other providers um, in pulmonary, we really try to show how to do things. So we try to ask them to show how they do it and then kind of um, basically perform for them what we think should be a good um, technique. And so that weighs more visual. And I think that that's key. And I would encourage people to do it that way because I think when you write things in an instruction um, paper, you think that people are reading the those instructions, but it's hard. Even for mm -hmm. people that are literate, literate, it's hard to to read a lot of stuff. So I think it's important to to always visually give instructions to the family so you you can get better adherence. Definitely, and that's something I remember everybody doing when I was on my pulmonology elective, right. and right. something that I think we can do in our own, you know, continuity clinics as well, just to remember that. Right. Um, and then I know we kind of touched on this as well, but there's been some issues with insurance covering inhalers. Um, have you seen that this has affected the care of your patients? So you know, this is something that I definitely think affects care of the patients. Um, I haven't, and I'm actually interested in doing um, some research on exactly what's happening with this, but I feel like it's becoming a larger issue as time goes by and that we are seeing more and more often that the prescriptions we choose for a patient are not honored by insurance. So I do think that for certain families, that is a barrier because they may not tell you. So they may not really say anything to you until the next visit. And you talk to a family and it turns out that they haven't been doing the medicine because they didn't get it. And the reason was that insurance had not, does, didn't approve that particular medication. Um, so yes, I do think that it impacts care. I don't have data to show you how much it does. And I'm hoping to actually get that data. Yeah. So it might be upcoming. Yes. <laughs> definitely, if but definitely anybody, an issue. If, if anybody's interested in, in that topic, I yes, will email Dr. Lasso. Yes. Please email Dr. Lasso. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. And just to close out, um, what is one or two things that you would want pediatric residents to know about educating um, patients and following up with asthma patients in our primary care clinic? Okay. Yeah. Um, and I'm going to add family resident, family medicine resident, mm -hmm. anybody in primary care, really. Definitely. Um, that I think it's true that asthma is very, very common. Um, but also remember that asthma is not the only condition that can give you chronic respiratory symptoms. So to keep your differential open as you're seeing patients, not to always assume that anybody who's coughing or wheezing has asthma. So to think broad first, and then kind of obviously, as you decide that truly that's what you're dealing with, to going back to what we said before, make sure you open your 
ears, if you will, to the family in a not judgmental way so that they feel comfortable telling you what's happening in their home environment and what happens with medications so that you can fine-tune what you do to that particular family, that particular patient. And I can't emphasize that enough because if you give a good medication to a patient, you know, a medication that should work, but they don't take it or they don't take it properly, it's not doing anything, right? Mm -hmm. So knowing what your families are doing, what your patients are doing is key to being a good provider. So um, I know you guys hear this all the time from every specialty, but it's a, it's the truth. You know, it's um, the reality is that medications work if the patients take them and if they take them properly. Definitely. And keeping your like eyes and ears open to reasons why they might not be able to exactly. do the things that you're right. wanting them to do. Exactly. Yes. Definitely. Well, thank you so much, Dr. Lasso. This has been a great conversation. I mean, I really wish that you could see my video because I was <laughs> nodding my head aggressively the entire time. I really appreciate you taking the time out of your busy day to come and talk on the podcast. And hopefully we'll be hearing from you again soon. Thanks for listening to this episode of Charm City Checkup, a podcast about social justice issues in the city of Baltimore for pediatric residents, made by a pediatric resident. Special thanks to medical student Juliana Solomon for research and editing. Please follow us on Instagram at Charm City Checkup and feel free to reach out with any questions or episode ideas by emailing charmcitycheckup at gmail.com. Please remember that all opinions expressed on the podcast are mine and not necessarily shared by my employer. Oh, 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 oh,